Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Big announcement coming up in just a few minutes about a huge event Dog Nation is going to be a part of to kick off the 2022 season. Can't wait to tell you about that. We will do that here in just a little bit. That's on the way. Before that, though, let me begin this way today. I had such a good time last night. The SEC Network featured its Georgia takeover, and they do this every year for all the SEC teams. And almost every year, we enjoy kind of going back and watching some of the big events in the previous year. But I don't know that that's ever been more enjoyable than it was last night with the replay of the national championship game. And there's this weird thing where, you know, a lot of Georgia fans have seen this national championship game, you know, half dozen times, dozen times. Some of you have seen even more than that. I know I've seen it, you know, kind of quite a bit. It's just fun to go back and relive and watch. But there is also something really special for me. I was saying this to our video on its a moment ago. There's something really special to me about watching y'all watch it. And last night, this sort of turned into a little bit of an event on social media where UGA fans were kind of talking about some of their favorite moments from the game and kind of reliving some of the maybe hidden details that go towards uh, a big football game like that. Such an important win for Georgia, vanquishing a hated foe like Alabama and getting to that top of the college football world, something this program has been craving for more than 40 years prior to last season. It was just kind of fun to watch the way in which social media reacted to all that last night. Maybe you noticed that yourself for those of you who are kind of plugged in to the UGA takeover on the SEC network over the course of the last 24 hours, kind of culminating with all of that there last night. And it does just kind of get you thinking about that uh, national championship season and kind of what led Georgia to all of that. And like in, in one respect, I think it's pretty obvious to most people the reason why Georgia was the national champion a year ago. I think it, I think what most people would say is this just simply comes down to Georgia's ability to collect talent. Georgia does that as well as anybody, maybe only in Alabama and Nick Saban rival Georgia's ability to collect the talent. And for the most part, no one else other than the Crimson Tide even comes close that Kirby's sort of tenacious desire to populate this roster with the very best most talented players he can get that that's the thing that explains the georgia national championship more so than any other and you watch a national championship game and that seems to maybe to the eyes of most you know be kind of accented by what you see there on the field and maybe nowhere on the field is that more true for georgia then when it comes to the defensive line position, that that Georgia was just so dominant with its defensive line a year ago, so overwhelming from a talent perspective, that there really, in the eyes of most, is no other explanation needed for why Georgia won the national championship. Just look at the talent they have. My goodness, the number one overall pick for uh, the most recent NFL draft was the Georgia defensive lineman, Trayvon Walker. Uh, Devontae Wyatt himself was also a first-round pick. Jordan Davis was a first-round pick. He was the trophy winner he was the big Narek winner as the nation's top defensive player it was that overwhelming level of talent on display for Georgia 
that explains why they won the national championship. And in the eyes of some, it's a similar level of talent, maybe not quite as well known, maybe not quite the draft credentials on the 2022 roster, but a similar level of talent in the eyes of some that explains why Georgia is also a national championship contender for the upcoming season. In fact, let's talk about Jordan Davis here for a moment. Let's go back to the NFL scouting combine in March. You know, he was asked about what he thinks is left over at UGA now that he and Trayvon Walker and Devontae Wyatt are gone. And from the standpoint of of the talent story for Georgia, Davis told us in March he still sees plenty left over for the dogs on the defensive line of Georgia. This was J.D. back in March. Jordan, who are some of the guys that are going to emerge at Georgia now that you and Devontae, Trayvon moving on? Um, Jalen Carter. Um, sorry, I don't know those guys. That's a few freshmen that's going to uh, – you know, step up and do their thing, and I'm just willing, um, ready to see them play. You know, um, they know what to do. They're well coached, and just to, and to see them next year, it'll be a great experience. So uh, uh, Jordan's microphone was a little bit messed up there back in March, but you heard him say that, hey, who's the who's left over on the defensive line? Very, very quickly. Hey, it's Jalen Carter. Then he mentioned some other names there as well. But he didn't have to hesitate by saying, oh, my gosh, Jalen Carter, he's going to have a huge year for Georgia for the upcoming season. And it is a reminder that much the same way that Georgia had this overwhelming talent at the defensive line spot in 2021, there is this thought there is – another crop of very talented players in line to be on this team there in 2022 in fact there was a nfl draft scout the other day laying out on twitter exactly how good he thinks that a guy like jalen carter who jordan davis mentioned by name exactly how good he thinks he can be for the upcoming season and exactly how good he thought carter was a year ago let me show you a espn nfl draft scout named jordan reed here for a moment who says that he thinks the Georgia defensive tackle Jalen Carter is an extremely explosive interior defensive line prospect that plays with adequate pad level, active hands and placement, and a true uh, puncture finisher at the next level. A strong argument can be made, Jordan Reed says, that he was Georgia's best defensive player last year. Now, how demoralizing is that for teams that want to compete with Georgia? That for all the talent that Georgia supposedly lost off last year's roster – the guy that this dude, Jordan Reed, says was the very best player on that defensive year ago is actually coming back for 2022. Once again, it speaks to the sort of overwhelming talent that Georgia had. Maybe Georgia still does have in the person of Jalen Carter and some of the supporting cast around him. And to some people, the success story for Georgia sort of begins and ends with that. Georgia collects talent. That talent overwhelms. And that is why Georgia wins. But. Here is something that many of you know that maybe more sort of casual observers to UGA or maybe those sort of outside the bubble of dog nation. We talk about that from time to time that maybe they may not quite be aware of that while talent is the ticket that Georgia used to get in the room, to get into the conversation, to put themselves on the same plane as national championship contenders. Ultimately, the story for how and why Georgia won the national championship last season was really about far more than just that. And if UGA comes back and contends again here this year, maybe even repeats as national champion, once again, the overall story of how Georgia gets that done, the success formula for UGA, 
will be proven once again to be about more than just the incredible collection of talent that exists in the program. Because let me go back to Jordan Davis here for a moment there, too. In March, when he was talking about, hey, the the, the Jalen Carters and the Zion Logues and the talented defensive linemen who are ready to sort of step up and take on a bigger role now that he and Devontae Wyatt and Trayvon Walker are no longer there, Davis also, I thought, in a very articulate fashion, laid out exactly how they'll have to manage themselves to get there, the path they'll have to travel to be as good as that trio was from the Georgia defensive line last season that's no longer there. And when Davis talked about that, the thing that he mentioned really wasn't so much about their overall talent level, their measurables, their physicality. It was about something deeper within them that speaks to their motivation, their commitment. And this is where the story for Georgia last season, I think, gets pretty fascinating. Listen to Jordan Davis talk about things other than just the overall talent level that helps explain why Georgia had the success it had last year. Once again, Davis from the NFL Combine. It's about the love. You know, we always talk about love for our team. And, you know, in order for a team to be well, well-rounded and well-connected, they have to have that love. So I'm sure those boys, they know what it takes to win, especially the older guys. So it should be in good shape next year. Now, isn't that interesting? And, and I know this may seem like a, a cliche. I, I do get this. There's an element of, you know, kind of the territory we're veering into that sort of seems a little corny or whatever. I've probably been accused of being corny before. I don't really mind uh that criticism necessarily but there but there's an element of of kind of where we're going this conversation that sort of seems corny or sort of seems cliche or sort of seems the kind of thing that's a little too sort of touchy-feely in some respects but it is interesting to hear davis say this that like hey when it comes to 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 being good uh at football being good as good as georgia was last season that it wasn't just how strong these players were or how athletic these players were or how you know, overall, you know, physical they were. It wasn't just the stuff the draft scouts could notice. Jordan Davis says it comes down to a love. Now, what's interesting is Davis doesn't say love for what? Love for the game of football, love for your teammates, love for all of the above. But he does use the word love right there. That's <laughs> that's that's really pretty interesting. So so when we think about football, we don't think about love very much. But 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 Jordan Davis says it in, in in very clear terms that hey the success we had last season came because of the love we have love for all of the above love for your teammates love for whatever but clearly according to jordan davis there was a certain component of this that was about love it was about more than just talent it was about a talent that was committed to a cause that was bigger than itself and listen you might say that well that's exactly what um uh a guy like davis is supposed to say or maybe he's just saying that because it sounds good and that's fine. Or maybe a show like this that's a pro-Georgia show. We obviously, you know, spent a whole year, you know, heavily touting Jordan Davis. So we're clearly in the tank for him in, in some respects. Maybe all of this is exactly what we're supposed to say, what's supposed to be said. Maybe that's as simple as that. This is how this is kind of supposed to go. But there are people who have no connection to UGA, who are not, you know, in any way, you know, sort of, you know, uh, uh, connected to this program who are totally objective far removed from dog nation who seemingly kind of noticed the same thing do you remember rich eisen who works the nfl network does his own radio show uh after the nfl draft after the nfl scouting combine talking about what he saw from guys like jordan davis davis told reporters at the combine 
The secret to our success last season was a love that we had. And a guy like Eisen, who is not a UGA guy, told a national audience that he basically had seen kind of the same thing. So if you want to explain the national championship that we all got a chance to rewatch again last night on the SEC network, the love that Jordan Davis said his teammates had that helped propel them to success. Rich Eisen, national dude for the NFL Network, said he saw this with his own eyes. This is what Rich Eisen said last spring. One of the things about this combine that um, that I think is lasting is the Georgia Bulldogs and how they looked. Unbelievable. Unreal performance. Um, and Wyatt and Davis, the law firm of Wyatt, <laughs> well, I guess, what is it? Walker, Wyatt, and Davis, right? Pretty good. The defensive line group. So... Wyatt and Davis work out in the defensive tackle group. When you're done with the on-field drills, sometimes you might have to go do your broad jumps and your vertical leaps. Sometimes, and, and then the team, and then the the group that comes next does the vertical leaps and vertical leaps and the broad jumps first. Then they do their on-field drills and they're done. So the defensive tackles did their 40s on-field drills, then did their broad jumps and vertical leaps. And then once you're done with that, you're out. You go back to the hotel or the airport. But Wyatt and Davis waited for Trayvon Walker, waited for them, sat there for well over an hour (laughs) waiting for Walker to finish. Because as Jordan Davis told Stacy Dales, who was on the sideline there, the, the Georgia Bulldogs are nicknamed themselves the no-name defense. That one guy's not bigger. That they're one big team. They're one big family. Isn't that interesting that Jordan Davis says, hey, our success story in 2021 was built on a love that we had, maybe for each other, maybe for just the game itself, maybe for being the best version of themselves they can be. And it could be easy to have that go in one ear and not the other, that it just sort of sounds like this kind of coach speak that's drilled into the Georgia players' heads by Kirby Smart and the rest of this Georgia coaching staff. But a guy like Rich Eisen, who's frankly not beholden to kind of toe the line on that, who's free to say whatever he wants, according to his own eyewitness account of what he saw from these Georgia players during the NFL scouting combine, you heard it right there, he saw that love on display that the reason why Georgia won the national championship last season was about more than just being talented, more than just having three first-round picks on the defensive line and plenty of other talent other places there as well. It was about more than just that, which obviously leads us to the 2022 season there as well. And that intangible quality that seems to define UGA, that, 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 that sort of extra component that sort of added into the the elite talent that Kirby Smart brings in this program, you know, finding a way to conjure that back up for the 2022 season is going to be really important too. And it may look slightly different because it's slightly different players, but it's no less important this upcoming season than it was last year. And with that in mind, I thought it was really cool on Georgia social media accounts recently, they kind of profiled Warren Brinson. Another one of these defensive linemen who's about to try to do for Georgia what Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis and Trayvon Walker and others did last season. And, you know, Brinson's one of these guys that, 
He played IMG Academy. He was a big-time recruit. You know, he's another one of these guys that you would think might define himself by his talent or you would think might be defined by others by the fact that he was clearly a top-shelf recruit, the kind of player that most programs would salivate over the chance to get. But when Brinson thinks of himself, he doesn't think of himself in the – hey, look how talented I am. Look at me, kind of like the sort of the golden child recruit. That's not how he defines himself at all. In in a recent video shared by George, he was asked, hey, what is the word you would define yourself with? And the way in which Brinson thinks about himself, according to his own words here, are far more blue collar than you might think for a guy who was an elite recruit from a fancy private high school that sort of caters specifically to athletes and sort of the next guy waiting the wings, the defensive line on the University of Georgia. Brinson thinks of himself in a far more sort of lunch pail, hard work sort of mindset than that, which is kind of cool for the upcoming season. Here's Brinson in his own words. Best word that describes me is resilient. I know that's one of our DNA traits, but it's because I've been through a lot in life and I've always been able to bounce back because of resiliency and just having God in my life and just trusting the process and knowing everything will turn out great. And then... We have two DNA traits that link to each other, resiliency and composure. So resiliency is being able to fight back in tough situations, knowing that it's not over, that it can always get better. All you have to do is focus in, compose yourself, think, calm down, and just work through it, just talk through it, self-talk, motivation, just knowing that you can always bounce back. Don't give up. Keep going until the end. So I've gone long here, so let me try to see if I can wrap this up succinctly. It's interesting that Warren Brinson, who would seem to have the kind of position in football that most folks would covet, he would himself would say, hey, behind the scenes, you don't know all the stuff that I've been through. You don't know how all the hard work I've had to go through and how many times maybe I had some setback hit me that would make me want to maybe give up or maybe not come back quite so strong. But he says, I define myself with resiliency. I define myself with pushing hard, never giving up, never quitting, keeping on coming back time after time after time after time. That's a very similar mindset to what the Georgia guy seemed to have a year ago. They could have thought of themselves as simple talents, but they thought of themselves as actually more than that. Guys who were connected together, guys who embraced kind of a no-name mindset, less famous than they could have maybe otherwise considered themselves to be. It was far more than just talent that defined Georgia and its success in 2021. And when you listen closely to the words of Warren Brinson right there, one of the defensive linemen ready to step into a larger role because the trio that I just mentioned no longer there, it sounds like far more than just talent will also define UGA here in 2022 as well. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented by Merriweather and Tharp, and we're glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, and we're available as a podcast wherever you find them. The Apple Player, Spotify, Google, WorldFamousDogNation.com. Just really happy to have you with us all across the various platforms. So much fun to be doing this show with you here today. And a big thanks to our friends at Merriweather and Tharp, making it all possible. Get a chance to have a little lunch later on today with our good friend Bob Tharp from Merriweather and Tharp. And I'm looking forward to being able to do that. And it's always fun to get together with the Tharps and uh, just hang out and have a good time. They love Georgia football. They love having a Georgia football conversation. But during the week, they're also working really hard for you there as well. Uh, Bob and his entire team there at Merriweather and Tharp 
when it comes to handling your situation if you find yourself facing a divorce. And I know that's what kind of the music changes and everything sort of grinds to a halt and the sort of typical happy chatter that we have around here becomes decidedly more serious. And I do get that because divorce is a serious thing and taking it seriously is something really important. And that's what Meriwether and Thrive will do for you. But they can also kind of paint a sort of happier picture for you there as well, because doing what needs to be done right now, taking the proper steps right now, understanding how the law impacts your personal situation also, I believe, sets you up for more success in your life to come there as well. A much happier next season of life can be on its way based on how you let Meriwether and Tharp go to work for you here on this right now. So have that free initial consultation with one of their attorneys and let them kind of explain some of the intricacies of the law and kind of how maybe it could be leveraged to your benefit. There may be things that you're thinking of that are important. There may be things you haven't even considered yet that are also crucial to your story here on this. Well, the good news is Meriwether and Tharp has been through situations like this thousands of times, and they can sort of lean on that ex, you know, institutional expertise and really put all that to work for you, marshalling all those forces uh, towards a happier outcome for you. So please make sure you check them out online. It's the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. That's the website, the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. Make sure you check them out today. Your source for Georgia divorce. That is Meriwether and Tharp. All right, we're going to have a lot on the show coming up. Uh, I think there's some really cool recruiting reverberations potentially from the latest UGA commit. We'll get to that coming up in a moment as a part of Around the Doghouse. But I told you about this yesterday. At least I kind of previewed it for you. A lot of you have been asking about this now, and I want to make sure we give you all the details here because this is going to be an incredible, incredible opportunity. It goes down here right now. So it is the Dog Nation Duck Hunt tailgate to kick off the 2022 season on September 3rd, right outside of Mercedes-Benz Stadium. We're going to do it from noon until 3 p.m. there that day, right there in the Home Depot backyard. Now, if you're unfamiliar, this is the lot. It's like really right there next to the stadium. I mean, it's you could not be closer to the stadium than the Home Depot backyard is. That's where we're going to be. Perfect real estate for the day. By the way, how cool is our logo for the Dog Nation Duck Hunt? This is really one of the best things I think we've done. Uh, uh, <laughs> I love the uh, tagline down at the bottom. Uh, and this wasn't mine. This was somebody else. This is good stuff. Western bird, Eastern recipe. This is this is really, really fun. Uh, that's going to make for a great T-shirt. Uh, but it's going to be the Dog Nation Duck Hunt tailgate right there next to the stadium from noon to three there that day. Tickets are $99. That includes your food, your drink tickets, T-shirt. You can go to dognation.com, and it's very easy right through the top of the page to sort of find that link for all of that. So that could not be easier to find. Big thanks to Kroger, R.S. Andrews, and the Finnish Long Drink for all of this. Obviously, if it wasn't for our great sponsors, we'd have to charge a lot more for this than we're able to do. But they kind of help us absorb some of the cost here, which really gives you, I think, a great value. Anybody who's been to one of these events before will tell you it is an absolute blast. And this year, to kick out the 2022 season, going to be no different because this time we're doing it right there in our own hometown of Atlanta, Georgia. So details once again. It's noon to 3 there that day on September the 3rd. Uh, at the Home Depot backyard for $99. You get your food, you get some drink tickets, you get the really cool Dog Nation Duck Hunt t-shirt, which is going to be a great collectible. Uh, all of this made possible by our friends at Kroger, R.S. Andrews, and the Finnish Long Drink. And by the way, uh, how nice is the Finnish Long Drink going to be flowing uh, there in Atlanta that day? It is going to be a great time. So I'm obviously giving you a lot to think about. For many of you, all you needed to hear was it's open and you're all you're on your way to get those. And I'm excited about that. But for those of you who 
maybe you've never been to one of these events before and you're trying to process all of this, just go to dognation.com. Go there, find out more about it. You can really kind of get all that you need about why this is such a fun event. And listen, I know this is the kind of thing that sort of, you know, <laughs> carnival barker blowhards like me are supposed to say, but truly, the last year when we did the thing for uh, our season kickoff event in Charlotte, it sold out within a couple of days. And that's for something that was three and a half hour drive from here. This is right here in Atlanta. These tickets are not going to last. And this is not one of those deals where like, hey, we have this sort of artificial, you know, cap on this. and We can actually just raise it uh, when it comes to like food and beverage and even just sort of space to put people. We have only so much of it. This truly is one of those deals where space is limited. And if, if all those tickets get gone, there's nothing I can do to go back to, you know, the suits and say, hey, can we have a few more spaces? Uh, it comes down to, you know, how much food you can cook, how much, you know, you know, beverage you can have. It sort of comes down to sort of a finite cap on that. So get in and be a part of this before the space there runs out. Can't wait to see you there for that. Starting at noon on September 3rd, leading into the big game there at Mercedes-Benz Stadium there that night. Dog Nation Duck Hunt presented by Kroger R.S. Andrews and the finished long drink. What a uh, good time that is going to be. All right, let us, before we bring on Terrence Edwards here, get ready to go around the doghouse. And something kind of cool has sort of happened. And this was, I think, somewhat predicted. In fact, Jeff Sintel even wrote about this in his initial story at dognation.com. But the thought that when NICAR, the very impressive, highly rated four-star wide receiver for the class of 2024, when he committed to Georgia earlier this week out of Coquit County, that Carr could potentially have some coattails with another elite prospect on that Coquit County Packer roster, Landon Thomas, also the really impressive 2024 tight end. Now, Georgia's obviously knocked it out of the park with tight end recruiting for quite some time, and Thomas is sort of the latest name to know on that when you start thinking ahead to the class of 2024. And you get to read between the lines on this a little bit, but you certainly get the impression that uh, that Carr is already out there working pretty hard for UGA and I think a lot of the internet seems to think this is all kind of directed uh, in the direction of Thomas the really good looking tight end let me show you some of this on social media uh, so Carr put this out there July the 11th sort of throwing this out there as a date, and then tagged uh, Georgia tight ends coach Todd Hartley in this message and most of the internet seems to think that uh, this is Carr throwing out the 11th as a commitment date for Landon Thomas, the 2024 tight end. That has not been confirmed, nor is it obvious that, that Thomas is going to commit on the 11th. But Carr seems to think he knows something, uh, certainly uh, you know, trying to get Hartley involved in all this there as well. So it's sort of easy to see the wheels turning on this, whether it actually results in a decision announcement from Thomas that day or not, I guess remains to be seen. But for folks who kind of were already of the belief, hey, for Cockwood County, very deep and talented program, uh, Carr, not the only very impressive player on that roster. You do see some example of some of that social media stuff kind of working out, uh, playing out very well in light of all of that. So pretty interesting stuff. We'll have Jeff Sintel on the show tomorrow we'll talk to him about what george is getting in car exactly what is need to be known about the 2024 tight end landon thomas and kind of everything else related to what has turned out to be a very busy week for georgia recruiting some of it good news some of it maybe not quite so good news 
We'll get a lot of that with Jeff's intel starting tomorrow uh, here as part of uh, Dog Nation Daily presented by Meriwether. All right, but for now, on a Thursday, that means Georgia wide receiver, former dog Terrence Edwards. A lot from him on car and kind of also a reaction to a big story that broke just after we spoke to Terrence last week. The changing landscape of college football in light of the USC UCLA move towards the Big Ten. Let's get ready to do all of that with Terrence Edwards here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insight. Let's say hello to Terrence Edwards, the great former Georgia wide receiver. Terrence, I know this is a busy day for you. You're traveling and uh, a part of some uh, football camps out of the state here today. So I appreciate you finding a way to uh, make a little time for us and talk some Georgia football and certainly hope you're doing well today. I'm doing well just here at the Atlanta Airport, headed down to Naples for FBU Top Gun. Well, that's awesome to hear. What a great camp experience that's going to be, and uh, great to have you here with us on that today. And Terrence, obviously, this is a great day for us to be talking to you because we're just a couple of days removed from what I thought was a really impressive wide receiver commit for the Georgia Bulldogs. That's Nye Carr out of the class of 2024, way down there in Moultrie in Cockwood County. Uh, Terrence, I know you like evaluating all these receivers. How much have you seen from Nye Carr? And for Georgia fans who maybe haven't fully engaged in the 2024 cycle, because that's still a year away, uh, what can you tell us about what Georgia's getting in Carr? So let me let me go back. So BA, you remember when I was at the Georgia seven oh seven. I took time out to talk to you and we yeah. had games going on and I wanna let you know we was playing Coker at that time. So I did not get to see him in person. And I knew nothing about him, so once I saw him commit, I went and looked at his film man. Oh my god. He is explosive. That is the first thing that you see about this young kid. He can run. So you just to see the type of athletes that the Georgia coaches are going after, guys that can, can run, he's a deep threat, and he's a natural. He's just not uh, some track guy trying to play football. He's a natural uh, receiver that is very explosive. And, and, yeah, you look at the recruiting profile. You know, he's ranked top 10 nationally in the 24-7 sports composite. His position, he's like, uh, of all recruits overall, somewhere in like the top 60. I mean, that's what this recruiting profile reflects, Terrence. As you said, this is not just an athlete who's going to try to go out there and catch the football. This is a guy, and you, of course, recognize this as well as anybody does, this is a guy that kind of already has some of those established credentials when it comes to being a true wide receiver. That's what it sounds like you're saying here. Oh, I think so. I think it's uh... – you know, he's a young kid, 10th grader, going to be a junior. I think his his uh, profile will only expand after the, really the nation really gets to know him. And I don't know how many camps he's done. And uh, if, he's on a, if he went to a camp person, I just think this kid is explosive. I think this kid is a playmaker, uh, being able to take a screen to the house or just going deep, catching the deep ball. He's, he's a guy that can score from anywhere in the field. And those are the type of receivers that I think the Joker receiver course is, is getting to. Uh, if you look at the ones that we brought in last year, uh, CJ Smith is another one that is just straight line fast. So we're looking for guys that can vertically stretch the field, and he is one of them. So it sounds like then if you look at the philosophy that Todd Munkin's trying to instill as offensive coordinator and Brian McClendon, the new wide receivers coach, that he's trying to instill here there as well, it sounds like this current crop of Georgia coaches might be valuing that speed component uh, as, as much as anything right now, really trying to upgrade this wide receiver room from a speed standpoint uh, with the 2022 class. Now it's happening looking ahead to the 2024 cycle there as well. It seems like they're putting a real premium on speed. Is that fair to say? I think so. I think you uh, can always – well, that's one thing you can't teach it. 
is vertical speed. And vertical speed always helps in the run game and the pass game as well. Um, so I, I just think, look at the Ohio State receivers, man. It's, it's, you have to take away something in the game plan, offensive or defensive. So having those type receivers opens up the running game, and the running game opens up the pass game. So having vertical threat, do you bring a guy in the box to stop the run? Are we always going to have a prolific running game? Or do you have to keep, keep too high safety there? So now the box is light where you can run the ball. So it goes a long way. Now that vertical speed is not just being able to catch the ball, but it affects all aspects of defenses as well. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Let me do one more thing on this topic, and then we'll shift gears on onto something else here for a moment. But – you know, the thing that I like about Carr is, is you look at his Instagram and things like that, he's pretty clearly a pretty big Georgia fan. Cockle County is kind of fertile soil for UGA as it is. And to me, Terrence, this seems like the perfect intersection of, hey, there are a lot of Georgia fans who want to see Georgia get those elite receivers. Now, you and I have talked in recent weeks about, you know, Georgia's had success with three-star guys before, and you believe that Georgia could be set up for more success with some of the less heralded recruits they've uh, brought in recently there, too. But there's still that idea among fans of, yeah, but to go out and get one of these top 10 guys, how cool is that? When you have a guy like this who seems to have some real affection for UGA, if you're trying to uh, break through with this position group and bring in that level of talent to this program, how fortunate is it that one of the guys you have a chance to win with one cycle ahead here is someone who already seems to have such deep ties to Georgia? I think so, but I think the biggest asset is to get those guys. I mean, we spoke about Ohio State Hall that they've got three days in consecutive. But it's, a, it's, it's about philosophy. If we're showing the ability to throw the football, we're showing the ability to uh, have another thousand yard receivers beside myself, you're going to get those guys. Well, we're already one of the, the best programs out there. Now it's just about philosophy, Alabama philosophy. Is a little different than ours. Ohio State philosophy is a little different from ours, and that's why they're going to be able to get those type of receivers. Um, so it's just up to what Kirby and company philosophy they want to do. They want the team to, you know, we're going to be running back you regardless, but they want to change the perception of Georgia offense. We have to be able to get more thousand yard receivers uh, in there, and I think that's the biggest reason the JUCO receiver that just went Alabama uh, left and went Alabama. It's just the pedigree of what they've done in the last few years for receivers. So I just think it's the philosophy and the perception has to change uh, before we consistently get those top guys. And you have to do it for more than just one year, right? I mean, I think last year Georgia did throw the ball better than it probably has in any year under Kirby Smart, and yet it's going to take more than just that one year. Folks want to see it over the course of time to, you know, you mentioned uh, you know Malik Benson or others. They just want to see that happen in – you know, repetitive years, consecutive years to really believe that Georgia is committed to being as good in the passing game as it seemingly is committed to being good in every other level of the program, right? Right, most definitely. And that just goes with philosophy. We have to consistently see that Georgia's going to have receivers that get 1,000 yards. And I think a lot of young receivers feel like that that would get them drafted. Uh, so I just I just believe that philosophy and, and, and we have to see recruits have to see that we are we are attempting to throw the ball down to you. 
All right, one more quick topic before we uh, let you go here. And we certainly appreciate your time. I know it's a busy day for you as you're traveling down to Florida for the uh, Top Gun event. But uh, shortly after you and I spoke last Thursday, the college football world completely changed with the announcement that USC and UCLA were leaving to join the Big Ten. And ever since then, there's been this scramble for whether it be you know rumors of how the SEC might respond or other programs, other leagues trying to figure out how they fit into this new picture. It's been pretty much chaos since then what do you make of the Bruins and the Trojans on their way to the Big Ten and what you think might be coming next for college football in light of all of this wow I hate to say it but it might just become three super conferences and where all the big schools emerge into uh, three big conferences and I don't know how that would look how it would go but college football is just very different from when I played and uh it's changing, and I don't know if that's for the good or for the bad, but it's definitely changing. Yeah, I mean, for someone like you that works with a lot of receivers that want to play college football, or you yourself as a recruit, you mentioned before, like you grew up like in Tommy Frazier in Nebraska, and you know, a lot of these programs, of course, Nebraska's in the Big Ten, so they seem to be relatively safe, but there's a certain level of program across the Midwest, across the West, you know, into some of these Texas programs, like say Texas Tech, something like that, where you're kind of left to wonder – okay, how do they even fit into the picture anymore? Like, if it really is the SEC and the Big Ten kind of running off and leaving everybody else behind, what about these players who are hoping to get a scholarship from Oklahoma State or Utah or Washington State or a program like that? Is that still considered big-time college football anymore if the only thing that really matters is the SEC and the and the Big Ten? I mean, that's a little bit my concern here is, you know, what happens to some of these programs that can't quite get that SEC or a Big Ten invitation? Uh, are they still playing at the same level? level as the uh, very best programs in the sport terrence it's not clear to me that's the case right now well most definitely that's the question that and i have to i don't know if you know what's going to be considered power five is if, if this three mega conference only one will get teams into the playoffs so there's a lot of questions that i don't have the answer to but college football is shifting to uh something that i'm not familiar with and i don't know if i like it or dislike it but uh it, it's shifting Terrence, good stuff. Before you get on that plane, remind us how we can get in touch with you on social media. You're always doing a great job getting that next generation of pass catchers ready, uh, working hard even during the summer right now, on your way to a camp right now. So how can folks get in touch with the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy? You can find me on all social media platforms at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, good stuff. Safe travels. We'll look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, really fun to uh, hear from Terrence Edwards. Such a uh, valuable resource and a great voice when it comes to the sport. And yeah, I was telling our video audience this a little earlier, is that this is obviously a show for fans. I'm a Georgia fan. I do the show for Georgia fans. We're going to have that perspective on these kinds of things. When it comes to conference expansion, I'm probably less fan-oriented than I ever am in terms of sort of what's good for Georgia. A, frankly, I think that however college ball changes, Georgia would certainly seem to be pretty well positioned to manage that whatever it looks like and b in terms of you know i'm kind of a guy that's always cared more about the sec than the other leagues but that doesn't mean i want the other leagues to stop existing you know it's you know this notion like that i want the sec to be the death star going around blowing up alderaan and all these you know sort of big 12 accs and just sort of leave leaving them laying in its way i don't know that i necessarily want that to be the case that I want there to be a place in college athletics for sort of the middle tier programs that that right now don't seem to be that uh, that attractive to like a Big Ten and its 
pursuit of expansion or the SEC and its pursuit of expansion. Just because the Big Ten or the SEC doesn't want them doesn't mean I hope they disappear. So as we have these conversations, I just sort of hope the Pac-12 can find a way to survive or the Big 12 can find a way to survive or even the ACC, which frankly I don't like very much. I certainly don't like a lot of the programs in the ACC. I guess I sort of still hope they find a way to survive throughout all of this. And so we will continue to follow all of that. Something else we're going to follow is cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And boy, it's a great time to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. A lot of you go on these uh, cruise ships. You're like me when we took our Dog Nation cruise back in April. You're sort of decked out in your UGA gear. It's fun to show all that off. And it's fun to just kind of you know be in paradise. And especially after a year like this, when you're celebrating a big championship, it was so much fun to be with dog fans on our own Royal Caribbean cruise vacation uh, back in April. And your time is now to have your own royal caribbean cruise experience our friends at the cruise and vacation authority can help you with this you can find them online tcava.com that's tcava.com you can also give them a call 770-952-8300 that's 770-952-8300 and here's why we recommend a travel agent to help you with your cruise experience here because the number of options that you have available to you could potentially be overwhelming i mean you have ports that you can sail out of I like sailing out of Port Canaveral, but maybe for whatever reason, you know, Port Everglades down in Fort Lauderdale or the Port in Miami, maybe that's more convenient for you flying down there, something like that. Uh, so you got choice about which port you go out of. You got your choice of cruise ships. Some folks like the biggest cruise ship they can be on. Some folks like a little bit more intimate setting that comes from one of the slightly smaller ships. Uh, some folks like the ships that go to Perfect Day Coco Cay, uh, which we've told you about before a million times, the great private island. Some of you have some other itineraries that sound really interesting to you. There's so many ports you can visit, so many ports you sail out of, so many different kinds of ships that you can be on. All of them great, but maybe one of them exactly perfect for you. And that's why a, a great travel agent like our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority can help you make the right decision. It can really set you up for a very satisfying cruise experience, whether it's your next cruise, your first cruise, or whatever else. Uh, it's a great time to be on a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. I certainly am excited about my own cruise coming up here in relatively early 2023, and many of you have got cruise travel left here in 2022. So all kinds of fun things to be thinking about. Uh, the Royal Caribbean cruise ships back sailing across the seas right now and everybody having a great time with all of that. All right, SEC through time here as we cruise around the SEC with Royal Caribbean. Uh, Anthony Evans, pretty impressive four-star wide receiver, has come out with his list of finalists, and that uh, group includes the Georgia Bulldogs. Here, Let's show you on the screen uh, from Instagram here, from Evans. You see Oklahoma and Penn State, Georgia and Texas A&M. Uh, what is that? Reveille standing next to Harry Dog. No doubt which of those two dogs the more impressive one, that being the Georgia Bulldog there on that. We'll kind of find out if that's indeed the way that uh, Evan sees things. Interesting to see him, too, you know, in a day and age with a lot of the recruits have kind of shown off the all-white uniforms in their recruiting picks. Uh, you see Evans there kind of wearing the uh, full-on black-on-black look there as he shows off the uh, Georgia Bulldogs. I have an interesting stripe on those pants there as well so that's the look there from evans the one thing that everybody kind of mentions about evans is just the amazing speed that we talked to terrence edwards about this a little earlier that georgia seems to be prioritizing speed at the receiver positions maybe in a way that's you know more so than they've done in the past and evans would certainly be an example of that so we'll stay tuned to see what comes next with him but uh nice to see georgia included among his list of four finalists I saw this from the Fox Sports College Football account, and I thought this was pretty interesting. 
of programs who've gone seemingly the longest without winning a New Year's Six, what we used to call BCS Bowl. And you see a handful of, you know, teams that you recognize on here, you know, Mississippi State and Duke and even Notre Dame's on here, which is pretty wild. Uh, obviously, you know, given the stature they have in the sport, Colorado, which at one point in time was a very good program, has not really been at that level. Newly minted member of the Big Ten UCLA is on here. Uh, so is Miami. South Carolina is on here. Kentucky's on here. But the one that also kind of got my attention there, too, is right there at the top, if you're watching in video, and that's the Tennessee Vols. Tennessee, which in the 90s was as dominant a program as the SEC had, has not been that way since the Philip Fulmer era came to an end. Uh, they haven't won a BCS or a New Year's Six Bowl game since the 2007 season. That's the entirety of the Lane Kiffin era, the entirety of the, uh, you know, the, the Derek Dooley era, the, the you know, the uh, – Butch Jones, after a while, it's almost hard to remember all the coaches. Butch Jones and Jeremy Pruitt and now Josh Heupel. And that speaks to what I think is a pretty interesting scenario facing Heupel as he moves into year two, that that obviously he had more first-year success than I would have certainly expected Tennessee to have. They were a way better team really on both sides of the ball last year than, than I thought they could be just given how depleted the roster is. But obviously, Vols fans crave a lot more than that. And we'll see if they can provide that here for the upcoming season. Frankly, a lot of the folks think that Hendon Hooker, the returning starting quarterback, is sort of set up for a, for a pretty good level of success. But even beyond that, as you start moving ahead to, like, say, the 2023 season and beyond, man, you know, there are a lot of Vols fans who hope, like, the arrival of Nico Imaleva at quarterback and whatever Tennessee is able to conjure from a from a uh, NIL standpoint, they can kind of make tennessee a big contender again it remains to be seen how true that's going to be and if it is true how quickly it can happen but there's no doubt how much vols fans crave it and when you're reminded of just how long it's been since tennessee's been good at all forget like winning a national championship in 1998 just being sort of a solid contender that's something that most tennessee coaches in most years and really all years over the course of the last you know 15 years so that's almost been an impossibility we just haven't seen tennessee playing at that level and kind of shocking to see that laid out in those terms that tennessee's on a list with some pretty middling programs in terms of postseason success and obviously josh heupel facing a lot of challenges as it involves doing that with that said let me mention one more thing here as part of our sec through cruising around the sec the royal caribbean as heupel tries to build tennessee into something i think that they're actually set up to be pretty good here this year i think in all likelihood tennessee's probably a top 25 team this year there are some people who think they could even be better than that and it speaks to how crowded the landscape is in the sec because there's another coach in the other part of this league in the other division who i think trying to figure out how he fits into the picture here for 2022 gets kind of interesting i'm talking about brian kelly from lsu now let me tell you why kelly's on my mind right now because i saw the other day where cbs sports and its panel of experts our buddy barrett salee wrote the story but it'll be all the cbs folks kind of weighed in on this they ranked all of the sec coaches right now and it's the the, the overall list is probably not a big surprise saban's still number one he's obviously accomplished enough to keep him there Kirby Smart's number two. The current steam that he's riding is the easy explanation for why he's there at that spot. Jimbo Fisher's at number three. Some of y'all don't like that. Some of you don't really believe in Jimbo as a coach, but he has won a national championship. That has to count for something. And then number four on this list is Brian Kelly. Now, I think that Kelly's profile as a coach is actually pretty interesting because 
it's fairly obvious that when Notre Dame took on teams with elite talent in recent years, they were totally embarrassed. You know, lost both times to Georgia. All those games were relatively close. They still lost both those games. But in college football playoff scenarios against Alabama or against others, they just kind of got dragged. If they were playing a team with elite talent, Notre Dame was not going to win. But that overall idea sort of obscures the fact that the Fighting Irish were actually under Brian Kelly pretty good in, you know, matchups against teams that seemingly had somewhat equal talent. You know, Notre Dame rarely lost to unranked teams that that Notre Dame had actually had a pretty good run against teams that weren't quite at that sort of elite top end level sort of SEC talent level that Notre Dame actually played pretty well against those teams which probably does suggest that Brian Kelly probably is a pretty good coach in the kinds of games where coaching mattered against even competition or lesser competition Notre Dame typically found a way to win those games that suggests to me that Kelly's probably a pretty good coach but how does he fit into the SEC right now I think it's not obvious what the answer to that question is and I think it's interesting kind of post some of the awkward dancing videos that came out or or you know kelly's sort of phony fake southern accent deal that kind of got him some laughter there at the very beginning i think it's kind of interesting how quiet things have been on the kelly front but here's my prediction for you this may change pretty quickly i think there's a chance the lsu set up for a pretty disappointing season i mentioned josh heupel in tennessee a moment ago for those of you who follow this stuff closely can you make that strong of a case for right now LSU being better than Tennessee, given the schedule that LSU plays, given the schedule that Tennessee plays, given who Tennessee has at quarterback, given who LSU has at quarterback? Can you make much of a case for Kelly's first year at LSU being better than Tennessee? I think that case is actually pretty difficult to make. So that's a, you know, that's a couple of teams sort of fighting for some of the same real estate, and you're already slotting LSU underneath that. How about the comparison between LSU and Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M that a guy like Kelly's paid a ton of money to come in here and resurrect the Tigers pretty quickly. The last three coaches at LSU all won national championships pretty quickly in their tenure. But, you know, forget what exists in Alabama right now. Think about what's being built up by by Jimbo and Texas A&M. Now, we don't quite yet know exactly what that's going to turn out to be, but it's a level of talent that when when brian kelly has faced that before in his notre dame career he hasn't exactly for you know faced and fared all that well against that i think on and on you go here looking at how brian kelly sort of compares to some of his contemporaries in the sec and it's not obvious where he has an advantage at lsu right now like like think about this when lsu plays florida that's a pretty narrow point spread right now that's one of those games that could kind of go either way well, I mean, right now, Billy Napier and the Gators have been the butt of many jokes. Napier already has had to write kind of an open letter to his fans, calming their concern about what a disaster his first year as Florida coach has gotten off to. But the gambling experts, the Vegas folks, the analytics folks will tell you that Florida could actually beat LSU. What if that happens? What if you lose to Florida? That's the team that LSU plays every year. What if you lose to Texas A&M? What if you lose to Alabama? All of those things are relatively possible to happen. And all of a sudden now, you're just sort of scrambling to find enough wins to have a winning season. I think that's really interesting just how quickly Brian Kelly could go from being kind of a coach that's just sort of somewhere in the mix of the rest of the SEC storylines to a guy having a big spotlight on him for not living up to a huge salary brought in to kind of quickly move off the Ed Orgeron era. 
We're not talking very much about Brian Kelly right now. But one way or another, based on how his first season plays out, he could be a very, very hot topic before the season comes to an end. We'll make that cruise and run the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And here on uh, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp, funny golden shoe for you here today. Obviously, we're still kind of in the aftermath here of the uh, 4th of July holiday. And uh, Derek Green writes in to say that if Great Britain had their two best receivers, uh, we wouldn't be free right now because he shares this meme that somebody put out there. On this day, July 5th, 1776, Great Britain told America that they would have never won if uh, Britain's two best wide receivers had not gotten hurt. Hashtag America on that. Pretty funny meme. Derek Green shares that, obviously in light of what Alabama would be saying if they were in the same position. I wonder if those red coats, not the good red coats, the red coat band, but the red coats of Great Britain, I wonder if they were making excuses back then. My guess is they probably were, much like Alabama is right now. Very funny stuff from Derek Green. We'll make you a golden shoe winner for today. Speaking of excuses, Florida's got plenty of them. Lousy, stinking Gators, 4,928 days since they have won a national championship. And a Gator-Hater countdown, about 114 days from right now. Dogs back in Jacksonville beating Florida again. That is our Gator-Hater countdown. We will see you tomorrow right here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Merriweather and Tharp. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. We'll take a few of your comments here on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in the comment section at DogNation.com. Uh, our buddy uh, Red Dog One, who we read yesterday, who had said that he thought that uh, uh, Nike Hark would be the next Jameson Williams, jumped back in here to reiterate that again to say, like I said, uh, uh, be a, he does remind me of Jameson Williams, a guy you just can't run with across the middle of the field. And that's really exciting to think about. Good Time Dog also checked in to kind of echo some of those same sentiments, being excited about Nikar and his potential arrival here for the class of 2024. And like the thing that I just keep coming back to is, is when you've got a guy who is a Georgia fan, maybe more likely to maintain his UGA commitment because of that. And if he does have the kind of credentials that Red Dog says that he sees, and many of you have said that you've seen, like it just takes one, right? I mean, for Georgia fans who want to have Georgia have that big breakout at wide receiver, to have the same level of success with the receiver position that it has with essentially every other position on the field, you know, to really have that, it just sort of takes a proof of concept. And George Pickens almost became that, but probably stopped just short of being that. Like Pickens had a dazzling freshman season, but, you know, injuries, things like that kind of, you know, prevented some of that obviously from occurring, you know, beyond that and never did create the statistical profile for himself that he's probably capable of for for a good number of reasons but when you have that guy who really does break through all of a sudden it seems like you have the potential to sort of blow the lid off the entire thing and suddenly you could have more and more of those it's almost like when somebody finally like broke the four minute barrier in terms of running a mile like within however much time like everybody was running four minute miles or not everybody but a lot of people kind of broke through that barrier the moment someone did it for the very first time I think at receiver for Georgia is kind of the same thing. It's like if Georgia ever gets its like next thousand yard receiver, hasn't had one since 2002, then you sort of imagine they may start getting thousand yard receivers with regularity after that. But it sort of takes that first big breakthrough got to occur. And hopefully it happens for Georgia before Carr gets here. But if it doesn't, I mean, he seems like he's got, kind of got the talent uh, like Red Dog and one and others are saying to be the guy that's uh, able to do that. Nice conversation on uh, Twitter. So um, 
uh, our buddy George on tap, who's you know a wrestling fan, knows I'm a wrestling fan. Uh, he shares. And uh, do y'all follow this account on Twitter? It's it's actually a really good account. Um, there's this like '90s TBS account that just sort of shares old stuff from like uh, the old you know I used to think of as Channel 17, but the old Turner uh, you know TBS you know Turner Broadcasting System channel. The Braves used to be on that. Uh, WCW wrestling used to be on and just shows like a lot of these old clips and it's really pretty amazing. And uh, George on tap shared the footage of Jim Hurd, former WCW executive announcing in the early nineties that Ric Flair was being stripped of the world championship. And um, uh, I thought that was really good. Uh, D Spires, 1985 also uh, wrote in to say on Twitter that, and this is a very nice compliment. I appreciate this. It's just when I couldn't be any cooler me myself, that uh he finds out that i like pro wrestling so i'm happy to know that d spires is happy with what we're doing around here and i'm also happy to know that he also enjoys a little pro wrestling that's uh really good stuff and uh just just nice to see uh good comments fun stuff and i appreciate all of you being a part of the podcast cool down uh, here today uh just really good to get your feedback and your insight into what you think is going on there with uh uj football bill burton also wrote in to say something nice there as well uh thanking us for the for the coverage he says time of the other day we kind of went back and replayed a clip from jeff Sintel from 2017 in line with some of the georgia fans who were worried about recruiting he says uh he says we are adept at taking an ordinary news item and giving it depth by providing background putting it in context and analyzing what it means example digging up 2017 audio he says appreciate y'all and bill burton that's also a nice thing to be able to hear i really appreciate you saying that uh there too so your comments are always welcome the cool down is always so much better and so much more fun when you share your thoughts so whatever's on your mind just hit me up on twitter at dog nation daily or in the comment section at dognation.com and i will read it right here hope you have a great day we'll see you tomorrow a lot of stuff to close out the week jeff's Tail recruiting everything else right here on dog nation daily presented by meriwether and tharp We'll look forward to talking to you then. Also, big thanks to our friends at R.S. Andrews for making this possible. Air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. Air conditioning unit, they can get yours tuned back up to factory fresh specs, keeping you cool for the rest of the summer. And it only costs $99. So check them out online, rsandrews.com. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody.